0: Hey, this is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And before we start the show, we'd like to bring your attention to some cool conferences happening around the world.
1: Specifically, NDC Sydney, happening August 14th through the 18th in Sydney, Australia.
0: Now, I personally can't make it to Sydney this year, but you're going, right, Richard?
1: Absolutely, I'm going, you know, because Sydney. Uh, Yeah, awesome.
0: I wish I could go. So
1: go to ndcsydney.com and register
0: now. Save some money and register before April 30th for early bird pricing. And
1: for more great NDC conferences, go to ndcconferences.com. Right. .NET Rocks, episode 1397, with guest Bill Wagner, recorded Friday, December 9th, 2016.
0: Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. Here in the bowels of winter in uh, <laughs> New England and Vancouver. Have you guys got snow? No, no, no. It's just freaking cold. God, went cold on you, right? Yeah, yeah. finally. Those cold fronts moved in. Yeah,
1: you know, we've, we don't get snow very often. I think I've told you this, but this is our week. We're getting a nice burst of
0: snow, and I think in the next day or two, it'll all turn to rain and wash away. Balmy, balmy, balmy. Well, people didn't tune in to hear us talk about the weather, so no. let's roll the crazy music. All right what do you got buddy well i got some news this is actually a story from uh december 7th uh on Engadget, gadget and but it's making the news yep it's at me, and it's a story uh announcing windows 10 on snapdragon arm processors right yeah. Because that's the, the original one was Windows RT, which did not go well. Yeah, not so much anymore. So, uh, so here's the story. It basically says Microsoft's first attempt at bringing Windows to ARM powered machines was, shall we say, not a good idea. <laughs> but perhaps the second time's the charm. Microsoft and Qualcomm just announced that Windows 10 is coming to the next generation of Snapdragon mobile processors. And to be clear, they're referring to the full version of the OS. With support for legacy Win 32 software and universal Windows apps.
1: You know what this means then? They they're actually building an X86 emulator in ARM.
0: Yeah. So they could actually not just have a Windows phone, but a Windows phone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, both companies are being vague about specifics, and this is – I'm reading from the article again. But in short, you can expect Snapdragon-powered Windows 10 devices to be incredibly light and power-efficient. And since those chips typically appear in mobile devices, they also have the added benefit of packing in cellular radios. As for availability, Qualcomm says the first Windows 10 Snapdragon PCs could arrive as early as next year. Perhaps they're just hedging their bets – but the cynic in me thinks that it really means we won't see him until 2018. Which uh, we've heard that rumor before, too, right? Yeah,
1: like we with have. This, The Surface phone, which may have been this device as well, you know, you never really know, wasn't going to show up till 2018.
0: Right. Or maybe this is just the latest attempt at several that didn't work. Yeah, you know? it's, it's possible. Although generally when projects get killed, they leak. So yeah. the fact
1: that it hasn't leaked means this may still be the project. Well, I but- suspect
0: they still have a goal. But, you know, the way that they have gone about it with different companies, perhaps, maybe some of those have worked out. Some have gotten, you know, stalled or whatever. But uh, but this seems like seems, – seems promising. Well, and it, it speaks to Moore's law, right? We've got enough horsepower. Just run full Windows. Yeah. Right. Maybe it's not a phone. Maybe it's just a portable device that's the size of a phone. And maybe, you know, you can use Skype or whatever. But, yeah. Uh, it's a tablet. Yeah. Yeah. So, All that's right, what I got, Richard. Who's talking
1: to us? Grabbed a comment off of show 1237. That's exactly 160 shows ago. <laughs> December of 2015, we spoke to one Bill Wagner. Yep. We talked about GitHub fundamentals, and my friend Bill, of course, knocked it out of the park. That was such a great show and so necessary for so many people. Yeah, that is exactly what the comments said. And this is the one I like the most, because there's a ton of them. Uh This is from Guillaume Henique. Who says, and it's about a year ago, I've been listening to .NET Rock since 2004. Heck, that's before me. Mm. I think, but I've never commented before. This time I had to make an exception. Well, welcome. Thank you. Hmm. It was a great show as always. Mr. Wagner explained a lot of Git concepts very nicely. Mm. I may use this show to introduce Git to newbies. Yep. At one point in time, though, Mr. Wagner made the remark that some actions have to be done in the command line because the graphical tool would probably not be able to make it intuitive. Mm. Those are not his exact words, but I believe that's the message he was trying to convey. Yeah. And I'd like to disagree with him. Okay. In my opinion, one tool does manage to do the job, and it's called Git extensions. Yep. It can do squash commits, interactive rebasing, fix merge conflicts, do bisections, and God knows what else, right from the GUI. Because mm-hmm. most operations it shows you are context-based and grouped together into sections it's both extensive and still intuitive. Okay. The extension is hosted on GitHub, written in .NET, and quite actively maintained. It works without notable issues on Windows, but you can also run it on Mono on Linux.
0: So we'll have to ask Bill about that. Um, yeah, for sure. It has
1: been a year, so. Yep. yep. And he finishes up by saying, that said, knowing the command lines makes understanding what's happening underneath the hood considerably easier. And thank you. Yeah. I, I will include a link to get extensions because yeah. I think that's uh, stuff that people need to know. And uh, Guillaume, thank you so much for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. Plus. And if you
0: comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Hey, send us a tweet. Thank you very much. All right. Well, let's bring on Bill Wagner, our guest, uh, as we were just talking about him. He is one of the world's foremost C-Sharp developers and a member of the ECMA C-Sharp Standards Committee. Bill's president of the Humanitarian Toolbox, has been awarded Microsoft Regional Director and .NET MVP for 10 plus years, and was recently appointed to the .NET Foundation Advisory Council. Bill has worked with companies ranging from startups to enterprises, improving the software development process and growing their software development teams. He's currently with Microsoft, working on the .NET Core content team. He creates learning materials for developers interested in the C Sharp language and .NET Core. Welcome back, Bill.
2: Hey, Carl. Hey, Richard. Hey, man. Sorry, I wasn't. I wasn't paying attention. I was busy downloading Git extension because I'd never used that before. There you go. That
0: was
2: awesome.
0: Oh, very good. Try that one. Yeah. I love this community that we can just you know educate each other with a couple of couple of clicks and cut and paste and. Hey, check this out! Wow, off you go. Nope, off you go. Nobody
2: knows everything.
0: That's right.
1: Uh, I'm kind of stunned that you crossed over, dude. Can, should we tell that story? Sure. So uh, this would have been early in 2016, mm-hmm. and
2: since selling SRT Solutions, most of my time has been spent teaching developers C# and .NET. And I had a really, really good opportunity to work with the .NET content teams. So now I'm doing the same thing, but working for Microsoft. Oh, cool. So uh, what our team does, the, the larger team, is everything you see under docs.microsoft.com. And for me, it's primarily under .NET and mostly under the C Sharp language area. And all Mm -hmm. of those are open source documents. So everything's in Markdown and GitHub. You know, we build the docs and then they get uploaded into docs.microsoft.com. We're looking for, you know, getting increased community participation, whether it be issues, things we're not covering well, pull requests, reviews from uh, different community members as to what's hard to understand. And that's, that's the big mission we have. So... So I end up doing the same thing, but now I am uh, doing it for all the
1: .NET customers. Yeah, on the inside, awesome. Right. And it, and you're really tightly tied to the .NET Foundation as well,
2: right? So I'm a that's sort of still a, kind of a volunteer position, and sure. what I do there is help different teams um, when they're ready to join the .NET Foundation. The Advisory Council works with Martin Woodward, who really runs a lot of the things at the foundation yeah. Mm-hmm. and we help onboard different projects, help them through the process of, you know, what's, what do you have out there now? What kind of services can we provide? Whether that's licenses, legal logos, swag, advice, what have you, mm-hmm. and help bring them into the foundation. You know, I just worked with uh, Carl and, and Joel on Polly. Yeah. You, know, you guys were in great shape already. It yeah. was Just what, what can we do to help and just
1: listening and, uh, see what you need. What does great shape look like? Like why, why, why were they in good shape?
2: they were in good shape because, okay, for one, they already had a good set of a good site up in terms of where they had the, where Polly was
0: hosted. So it's easy to find. It's a good GitHub repo with good docs.
2: Right. It was pretty clear how somebody could jump in and help, how somebody could get the code, um, they were already doing uh, CI builds. So, you know, that's one of the services that the .NET Foundation will help you with if you don't have that in place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we added the contributor license agreement because I think that was one you didn't have. Yeah. And then all of the .NET Foundation projects uh, have to have a code of conduct that's at least similar to the one the .NET Foundation uses. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one you didn't have yet but you went ahead and just adopted the dotnet foundation one
0: sure it was easier that way
2: and th- and then behind that should somebody ever start really behaving badly there's some people behind the dotnet foundation that review that and will you know help with corrective
0: action all awesome stuff and yeah. uh, you know it starts with a good idea and a good project and in this case Polly was started by somebody completely different and then happy uh, next sort of took over uh, stewardship of it and uh, Dylan Reisenberger and Joel Hewlin really mm. stepped up to um, fortify it, to bring it where it is today.
2: And, th- and that's probably the biggest thing we're looking for. If we're going to bring a project into the .NET foundation, you know, we don't want open source abandoned you know, right. We, right. we're not working on this, but here it is. Have fun. Yeah. You know, we want a project that is alive. Right. right. And, you know, you've used this, this uh this phrase where software is sometimes done yeah you know so some of the projects may not be getting a pull request a day or a pull request an hour because they're fairly mature right now um but they're still being updated they're still being maintained Right. they're listening to the community and they're still active they're getting a lot of downloads and they're being used you know and, and that's what we want we want a group of people actually behind this or a company or what have you it's actively being developed it's actively being used either it's mature and being used by a lot of people or it's a newer project and the growth curve is nice you know so that it's a, it, it's a real
1: asset for the foundation
2: and mm. the foundation is a real asset for the project
1: and carl just to sort of close this out why did you want poly in the .NET foundation
0: well we thought that it was um, you know it needed more stewardship than we are able to provide. I mean, we have mm-hmm. a really good GitHub uh, repo, and and uh, the guys that have contributed to it since we took it over have worked really hard. But you know, we it was it was the thing. It was a matter of pride. It was like, wow, you know, if the if Microsoft and the .NET Foundation can can really shepherd this project, it sort of gives it a little prestige that it doesn't have just as a, a standalone project, right? It's sort of an acknowledgement that you
1: have crossed over these sorts of coherent plans around licensing and code of conduct and so
0: forth, right. that the foundation accepts you. And also that, you know, it's PCL, so it works everywhere. So it's another great cross-platform story for, for Microsoft, for C Sharp. Right. Yeah. That's cool. And I got to ask both of you guys this. Uh, just bring us up to date with the work that you're doing in the uh, in the humanitarian toolbox. Bill, you and I are going to be together at NDC London, right?
2: Right. We're going to be together at NDC London. We're going to be doing a codeathon a thon there. Um, our goal right now is we should have a 1.0 release of already, basically at that time. So we should be putting the final touches on that, probably reacting to uh, some Red Cross organizational feedback. And that will be a super important milestone for us. We will have proven that we can take an all-volunteer project... Make a 1.0 release that a national or international organization is saying that they're going to use. And tell us again what already is. So already is an application that enables groups like the Red Cross or local chapters in the Red Cross to run a preparedness campaign. The first use of it is smoke detectors in the Chicago area. So teams of volunteers will go door to door and see if everybody in the neighborhood has smoke detectors. Other teams will be installing those smoke detectors. They'll get smoke detectors, you know, donated from various stores or from the fire departments in the area. You know, Boy Scouts may go help install them, help go door to door to see if they're there. Some people may have smoke detectors, but if they're elderly, they don't want to get on a ladder and change batteries. Mm. You know, that that kind of thing. So it's Mm. a whole campaign to say everybody in this area should have working smoke detectors. Yeah. And already helps track the volunteers, track the progress, and see what impact they had. You know, we installed 100. We fixed 50. You know, we verified that 500 people already have them and so on. And then they can track those statistics and track that against what happens over the next year to go, you know, this preparedness campaign really did help. We had fewer fires. Fire departments got there faster in so Mm. many instances. We lost fewer homes you know, lost fewer people in those homes. And that's what they want to track with this is to go, we've run this campaign. And here's what the impact was.
0: Yeah, well, that's fantastic. And thank you both for the this great work that you do.
2: You know, and we've really got to thank all the volunteers, you know, as this comes out, we're going to have a, a big push and a lot of things in the blog and on the announcements, you know, just to name everybody, you know, mm-hmm. a few key people like James Chambers, It's just been all over this project. Um, But I think, you know, as we get done, we're going to be just list everybody that put a commit onto this because there's been so many.
1: Yeah, there's been we're just about to crack 100 contributors and twenty five hundred submissions on already. Wow. It's it's a lot. Uh, And like you said, in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be at NDC London. We you know, you and I talk about top contributors get to meet Steve Gordon in person. I think he's yeah, he he's, he's in the top five mm, yep uh, and his a bunch of his companies coming on too so he's got his whole company engaged on this it's become a real part of people's lives yeah that's uh, great to, to help build the software I'm very excited to get to meet those guys and to, to crank away on the, the project for a couple of days mm. but you know yeah. certainly what we've learned uh, Bill and I is while the codeathons are really fun and they and they get they get a certain amount of movement. Out of every one of those codeathons comes a few people who are hooked. Yeah. So this project means a lot to them, and they continue to contribute. Yeah. And when I look at like these the top twenty contributors uh, to already, that's who they are. Yeah, you know, they are folks that they came to a codeathon at some point and found something that really engaged them and continue to contribute to it. And it's uh, it's really interesting
0: to look at that. That's great. All right, let's talk about C sharp docs. Sure, because this is your job now. This is it. This is what I do. <laughs> so you know, we have a love-hate relationship with documentation, don't we, as developers? I, you know, yeah. I was going to go more hate, hate, but yeah. Well, you know, let's see. Let, you know, people are more apt to go to a place like Stack Overflow for a real-world sample of something than than the docs. And you know, and and sure, and, and you're right. And we work with them on different. Uh,
2: different initiatives that are coming up. Um, and we love Stack Overflow. So Stack Overflow is a question and answer thing, right? right? So I've got a question, I get an answer and I move on. But it so is
0: searchable I, and that's what people do, yeah. It is searchable.
2: So here's some of the things that we're trying to do and what we want to do with, our, with docs.microsoft.com. If you think about Stack Overflow, I search for a query, how do I, whatever it is, I get an answer and then I go back to work and I move on. You know, I've I've learned a couple new facts, mm-hmm. and I move on, and and then I wait till I get stuck again. You know, how do I do the next thing? And then I come back, and and there it is. Or why does this code work this way? And why doesn't it do what I thought it did? And you know, I'll get an answer, and then I move back. <laughs> what we want to do with docs.microsoft.com is that's where people go to learn. Okay, so in addition to yeah. having some of that. Here's how, here's the answer to your question and some of the technical things. There's a lot more walkthroughs, there's a lot more getting started tutorials, there's a lot of not just document, you know, not just words to read, but things to read, labs to try out in the form of tutorials, you know, add this code, do this, do this step next. Mm. There's also some videos that are that are up there now. Um, One of the PMs on our team, Kendra Havens, has started to do some really nice five minute videos that show you just one quick thing. Yeah, that's great. Right. Just getting started with VS Code. Right. And then
0: go back to do something else. So working with some of those other ways to learn things as well. So I got to tell you, I have never been to docs.microsoft.com, and I'm checking it out for the first time as you're talking, and I'm just in the first few seconds, really, really impressed. This seems That's like awesome. It seems like a huge step up from what I'm used to.
2: So, so a few different things we're doing there, uh, both on the engineering and the content side. First, as you browse this site, you're going to find that all the URLs actually have meaning based on the. You know, what you're learning. Right. You know, it doesn't have some grid at the end of it, which references something that's a back in a database. It's actually a URL that makes sense. Right. So it's a lot easier mm. to keep track of those. If you look under the guides area, like a lot of what I'm doing is in the C-sharp guide section, you know, we're really trying to make it a lot more about learning different things rather than just, you know, the pure reference part. You know, the reference part is there you know and it will always be there but we're trying to add that a lot more in terms of just learning and yeah getting familiar with the platform especially as the platform's changing so much now right i mean all these developers who've been on on linux or on mac and you know dotnet's not for you because you don't run windows right you know like Beth said on your show recently, you know, .NET is for you now. There's no yeah. reason you can't use it, right? .NET Core runs everywhere. Yeah. Doing Raspberry Pi stuff? Go ahead. No problem. Right? Right. So
0: explore. And not just Raspberry Pi stuff because that runs Windows too. but Raspberry Pi with Ubuntu or, or whatever. Right. Heck, you could run SQL Server on a Raspberry Pi with Ubuntu if you really wanted to. I think it would run a little slowly. You think? Just a little. Okay. I'm just saying. Might need more memory too. Just a little. Okay, but it'd run. It'd try to run. <laughs> it would limp. <laughs> it would limp. <laughs> How do you get an
1: incredulous face out of a SQL server? Because I, mean, I think that's the look you'd get.
0: I've been on a tear of annoying DBAs with my comments recently, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was an interesting this little a Twitter DBA- conversation DBAs about everywhere it. just went, oh, Franklin. Oh,
1: jeez. <laughs> Make the bad man Stick stop. Stick to
0: writing your little code. Yeah. Uh, there's a vb section look at this This is a vb guide yep that's awesome this makes me happy
2: and the vb guide is it's yep and some of that has been ported from msdn and we're going to be going through and hopefully modernizing a lot of that as well but it's just the the scale of it um Mm. you know our team so the c-sharp guide the only person working on that is me right so there's (laughs) only so far you know, so much of that I can cover in so much time. Wow. And, you know, right now we're concentrating on the C Sharp 7 story, things yeah. that are coming there. Uh, and then getting a lot of the, the getting started and the tutorials going.
0: And the references will slowly but surely keep um, keep getting updated. How about this? I'm digging down into Visual Basic stuff. 101 link samples. Wow.
2: We ported all of those. They're still there.
0: I yeah, yeah, that love it. That stuff
1: still works. I also like to do like a date stamp on all these things. So you sort to get a sense yes. of how fresh this is. Thank you. And, until I got to the one on expressions and it says December eleventh, twenty seventy three. I'm like,
0: holy cow, time
2: travel! <laughs> wow, <laughs> that one you should send. That, that's that's a bug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Richard, have I been
1: asleep that long? <laughs> these these things happen. I did, you know, rewire a computer last night. Who knows what happened. <laughs> Uh, We did have to
2: update some of that because our dates, you know, we, of course, I put everything in, in, you know, American format and Europeans were going, wait, what, what what date is this? So, you know, you've
1: got to go with uh, the ISO format that everybody hates, Mm. the year, month, day, because at least it's legit. Yeah. It's ISO and it's nobody's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, There's an edit button. So I can actually fix stuff if I want. You can go straight to GitHub, fix it, and we'll get a PR for it.
0: Wow. So it's not like a wiki. You actually have to do a pull request.
2: Right. So, yeah, if you click on the edit button, it's going to take you right to the page in GitHub. And then if you, then you're going to have to, um, I think you. Yep. Then you edit. Yeah. Then you edit and then GitHub makes a pull request for us behind there.
1: That's great. That's cool. That's the way a wiki should be. Yeah. This is a wiki with source control. Yep. That's what this is. It's a curated wiki. Mm Mm-hmm. You see what changes I made. You can decide to include them or not. We can have a conversation about them. There's a record of everything that happened. This is exactly what you want. Fantastic.
2: So, and the other thing that anybody who wants to contribute that you'll see behind the scenes here is all of the sample code that's part of Docs, it's not typed in Markdown. It's pulled in from source code from actual projects. Interesting. Okay. So, everything on docs.microsoft.com compiles, builds, and we're... Continuing to add unit tests to all of the samples that are up there, so it's getting pulled right out of source code that works. So you won't get syntax errors. Gee, we typed the markdown wrong or something. Right. Trying to type sharp, yeah, it all builds. Code. And if you make a pull request and it includes code, that code's going to build, and it won't get
1: accepted if the code doesn't build. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and you could do that now because you've got the way you're doing this mechanism, but. In the I, I do like the whole markdown angle of this we, we recently did a show in uh, fact earlier this week looking at the time shifting yep. uh with Rick Strahl talking about his markdown editor called markdown monster and Very just he cool. got me really smitten with just how nice MD is for this stuff so it's cool to see you using it here yep
2: uh I agree. It, it it does make editing easy you know and it's it's a common format
1: yeah yeah you know,
2: for us leaping in it's like oh yeah it's markdown easy You know, when we bring in new people or if anybody from the community contributes, it's easy to read, it's easy to to use. And and one last thing on our build system, depending on the directories you put a sample in, if it's meant to be a cross-platform sample, it gets built on a variety of Windows and Linux hosts. Oh, oh really? nice. Yeah, so if you're putting something that has to run on .NET Core, runs on Linux right now, that will get built on Ubuntu as part of our CI build, and it will also get built on windows. And if it's a full framework sample on one of the workloads, that's a windows only workload. Then that only gets built on windows.
1: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Hey, Richard.
0: Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Oh, it must be that happy time again. Yes, it is. It's time to pull the plug on my latte Panda exchange cluster.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Make stop it. Stop (laughs) Stop! Oh. You're running exchange off a USB key, aren't you? You got to stop that. <laughs> <Your> <laughs> SD cards are not a RAID array. <laughs> oh, they're getting pretty close, though, aren't they? <laughs> they are. All right. You know, I actually worked with uh, Kim Tripp, Speaking of databases, a while this many years ago, mm. uh, where we we did build a drive array out of four USB thumb drives right. on a so that she could fail a drive by yanking it out. Right, and they're probably like 128 gig USB uh, keys. I think it was long enough ago, there are probably 128 meg USPGs. Oh, really? Yeah, it was quite a while ago. Wow. It was a demo I think she was doing in Malaysia for TechEd Asia. That'll set you time. Wow. So, like 2006, 2007. Hmm. But it was just such a powerful demo to have these four, quote, unquote, drives. Yeah and be able to, you know, array them and then fail. That was
0: in the bag they called secondary inspection, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> was Kim never carried that much gear. I I helped Kim with that. All I, right. Uh, well, it's actually time to give away a DXperience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best, without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Dave Irwin. Congratulations, Dave. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. And Dave Irwin just won that DXperience subscription, a big pile of awesome from DevExpress, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what we just did here, go to dot click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. In every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree and just did it a few weeks ago to uh, one Brian Wilson from Ohio, mm-hmm. who uh, was the recipient of that crazy email that he thought was Nigerian princes. And no, he actually didn't. <laughs> he knew exactly what it was, and he was very, very, uh, very happy about that. Also, we like to ask our guests, Bill, if you had 5000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy?
2: You know, I was going to say the Surface Hub and the Surface Disk, but I'm betting everybody says that. And then I saw this thing last week. Have you ever seen a Kobe? K-O-B-I?
1: No. What is a Kobe?
2: Go to thekobi.com. T-H-E-K-O-B-I.com. Uh-oh. This is a lawn robot.
1: It's a robot.
2: What? So it's a Roomba, but for outside. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Complete with a snowblower
0: and a lawnmower. Now, here's the thing. Does it actually work now, or is this a... You know, pay us a thousand dollars now, and we'll tell you when it's done.
2: Uh, at the moment, this is kind of a we'll we'll ship it when we can. Ah, so yeah, they're not shipping yet. But the idea behind it is: is this thing sits in your garage, and it's got an uh, it, it connects to your Wi-Fi mm-hmm. or to cellular networks to get the weather forecasts. <laughs> so for so for snow, it knows when it's snowing. And then it fires up when the snow comes down, st- does your driveway and your sidewalks, goes back in the garage, charges up. If it's still snowing, it'll go out again and just keep it clear.
0: Oh, my After gosh. it's done
2: it, after it stops, then it's, it's I don't done. Know. I,
0: you know, I have so many reservations about this, it's not even funny. Oh, I do too. Yeah. But it's a dream. We, we can dream. Have you seen my driveway, Bill? It's very steep. And Yeah, uh, I've seen the
2: pictures. We've, yeah. we've
0: got that too. And ours... When you got a layer of when you got a layer of ice down and then snow on top of that and maybe a little ice crust on the top, yeah, I don't think Kobe's gonna. I think Kobe's gonna say, "Screw that! I'm going in. I'm I'm having <laughs> coffee." On oh, the other hand, if it stayed
1: on top of it because it's a robot and you can get it to constantly do it, maybe you'd be able to pull it off. I found the video huh. of this thing, and so it has a snow blowing module, a mowing module, and um and a leaf blower module, right. a leaf vacuum module, right. So, which is kind of cool, but you know, you know what you want, right? Is you, you want it to auto change, auto go back for charge, like, uh, okay, I want one. I like it. Well, how much are they? What? 49 98
0: Just ah, in- Perfect pricing. Yeah. You're going to have to pay your own, <laughs> own shipping though.
1: <laughs> uh, probably. <That's> okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, while we were discussing that, I found a spelling mistake on a page on the, on the C-Sharp Docs. Cool. I'm sure Subited you did. A, I'd submitted a pull request. That's awesome. All
2: right. I will review that later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and look at that. I just got an email from the .NET Foundation asking me to sign off on my uh, um, my contribution license agreement. Huh. Uh, I should have just. Um, oh, no. It just says I don't need to because uh, right. it seems F- like a small but important contribution.
2: Right. So the, the legal term, which we try never to use, but there's a legal term for this called the minimus.
1: That's a good term.
2: Okay. But effectively, yeah, it's which was why we don't use the legal term in anything that we you know, say to real people. But what that effectively means is if you make small changes to the docs, we don't need a CLA. Right. Because it... Uh, Effectively from the way copyright works is I understand it and I'm not a lawyer is it's not big enough to attach copyright to it.
1: Right. right? I literally corrected the spelling of one word.
2: Right. And if you were to write a whole new topic for us, Hmm. we'd ask you to sign the CLA that says, you know, you're allowed to do this with your employer or you're an independent. So you get to say that you're allowed to do this and you're giving us the rights to republish it. And you, know, you have the rights to use it based on what our license is because you're contributing. You know, the same thing you would do on any open source project. Right. And the bot just handles that for us.
1: Yeah, that's nice. This is this is really cool. I'm, I'm excited about this. You know, naturally, of course, immediately see a spelling mistake. That's just me. Yeah, it's very cool, though. <laughs> yeah, the whole system worked. All right, well, I like your robot, especially <laughs> cause it's snowing here. And, and uh, yeah, I think I wouldn't just set it loose on my driveway. I'd set it loose on my cul-de-sac. It was clear all the snow. There we go. Oh, what's next? Yeah. What are you doing at NDC London, my friend? I mean, besides okay. hanging with me in the, and doing the HD box thing.
2: So I have two talks. Uh, one of them is really going into the C Sharp 7 pattern matching features. Oh, yeah. What I really like with pattern matching is... Traditionally, we've been building these big desktop or server applications where everything runs on one machine and we build classes and objects. And the right way to do everything was to have code and the data it operates on, you know, part of that one object and that sort of thing. And what we're doing now, we're building services that run on multiple computers and talk to each other across networks and and so on. And when we do that, we're passing data back and forth across the wire. So we don't have the code and the data always the same or even written in the same language, right? You know, yeah. You'll get data back from a web page that came up in JSON. You'll convert it into a C-sharp thing, maybe a tuple, and you're going to want to work on that.
0: Mm.
2: So what pattern matching lets us do is you can create a method that allows you to then dispatch based on any property of the data that comes in so you get json you parse it and now oh if the first field is a one that means this is a payroll report so call this method right yeah and we can just build that by examining the object seeing what's there whatever it is not worry about strictly with things like you know inheritance and virtual functions and needing an inheritance hierarchy but what we can do is we can work with any property or any thing that we can check about an object to make it work or to, to figure out what we want to do. Cool. You know, so that's,
0: yeah, that that's the one big
2: talk. And I think that's, that one's fun because it's, it's things developers are going to use and are really going to enjoy working with over time. The other talk is one of those that's just fun to give. And with the right audience, I think it'll, it'll be a success and I specifically did this at NDC London because Skeet will be there and he'll, right. If nothing else. The room will get to listen to John and I talk. Oh, you're doing it with Skeet. He and I don't speak at the same time. So he'll probably <laughs> be in the room.
1: Oh yeah. So he'll be in the audience. Almost oh, certainly he will be in the room
0: and he's not one to keep quiet. Yeah, if he's sitting it's, in the, that's right. if he's right. sitting in the audience, he'll be part of it.
2: <laughs> so the talk is entitled things that look like language design ma- mistakes until they don't. <laughs> I love it right, so this is going through some of those things that you know when you're when you're looking at how a language is designed and why things are put together the way they are that just feel wrong until you understand why they're there right, and then suddenly it makes sense
1: when well, I got to think if you're going through documentation for C sharp comprehensively, you're bumping into this all the time
2: definitely, and a lot of it comes out of some
1: of the committee meetings for the c sharp standard mm-hmm.
2: Because in those meetings, you put your head on in, in a different way. You know, when we're reading and learning about a programming language, you know, we're effectively users of that language and we're just trying to be better, right? Yep. When you're looking at it from the spec standpoint, what we want to write in the spec is that if somebody else implements the spec correctly, the language does what it's supposed to do, right? So you get into some, some strange edge cases there that cause some fun discussions and introduce some of the weird rules that C sharp or any language, especially once you've gotten, you know, six or seven versions out Mm -hmm. starts to acquire. You know, like for instance, one of the ones is in the spec, there is a special case that says when you test equality, the literal constant null is equal to the literal constant null. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Now, that seems like we don't need that rule, right? That's obvious. Yeah. Right. Right? We actually do need that rule. And the reason we need that rule is some of the things about the literal null that we really like. The null literal does not have a type. Yeah. But it can be converted to any possible reference type, whether it's a, a class type, an interface type, or a nullable type, okay? Hmm. So what that means is if you were to type null, equal, equal, null, that's ambiguous. It Hmm. could be a string, it could be an object, the two sides could be different, right? So we have to say that that literal is equal to that literal. Because otherwise, one of the rules for equality is if the left-hand side and the right-hand side aren't the same type you know even if they're related by inheritance and the parts of them that are inherited are the same if they're not the same type they're not equal well if null doesn't have a type and null has to be a type on either side well then we have to we have to say well okay that's that's equal even though it doesn't have a type so you run into things like this where you know, and those are some of the discussions that we'll have in this talk is Why these things exist, you know, that's one of the more simple ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A couple of the ones that are really, really fun, and they have really interesting reasons, is in a partial class, if you specify a base class for a partial class, you can only do it, it has to be the same on every file that has that partial class. Or it can be omitted.
1: Okay. Okay. Okay.
2: So and, and this really gets useful when it comes into interfaces. So if a code generator generates a partial class for you, okay, it will probably generate the base class. And it may add some interfaces that it wants to wants to add because of the features it adds. But now your partial class definition, you can leave all of those off. And they're still there. And right. then you can add new interfaces in the part of the class that you're putting together. Right? Because now, since the base class is fixed, you can't put a new base class there because now we'd have two base classes. That would be bad. But you can add new interfaces if you want.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So now we have to parse those in, in a different way. So the compiler must work through the... The rules on that to say, if part of the files that bring in the partial classes don't declare any base class, that's okay. If it does declare one, they have to be the same one in every file that has Mm -hmm. that partial class. And interfaces work differently in that anything you add in in different partial classes, class files, that just adds to the interface of that entire bit. Once that class is, is fully compiled.
0: Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm try, trying, trying <laughs> to, trying to uh, hold on there, <laughs> follow along with you.
2: But see, it does what you want it to do, which means if you are partial class, you can add new interfaces.
0: It's easy, right? Right. right. You don't Simple. have to clear everything else. Simple. That's the TLDR version right there.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Right. Or TLDR. So through
2: some of the TLDR. Yeah, the TLDR versions, and then why? Why did this end up being where it
0: was? So right. that's that's where that talk ends up. So tell us what um, different categories of docs are you going to see and how are they organized and categorized at docs.microsoft.com?
2: Docs.microsoft.com is going to be all the technical documentation for Microsoft. Mm -hmm. So we've got Windows Developer Docs there. We've got the Azure Docs there. Visual Studio just came over about the connect time. Office Development is there, .NET, and ASP.NET over time, more things will come there as
0: well. I see office yeah. and dynamics 365 and Xamarin yep. SQL yep. server. Um, yeah. So you think that uh, there are more things that Microsoft does, not just on the developer or it side will show up here as well. That
2: one, I don't know that plan, but
0: I think that at the moment, this is meant to be all the technical docs.
2: Yeah. So I, it's very cool. I don't know that one. Yeah. That would be one you'd have to ask Dan or, uh, or Jeff. Yeah. And, and right now the Xamarin docs will go to the Xamarin site. Right. Right. That's still just a long process bringing everything in. Sure. But eventually that will all get integrated. And what we're excited there is we'll get to do some of the features there like Xamarin workbooks or some of the other things that they've done around the API reference, which is awesome. Cool. And one last thing I want to see you guys do, all and right. uh, especially for the listeners. So, once you go to docs.microsoft.com, click on .NET. Yeah. And now in the upper left, you're going to see this "Getting Started with C#." Okay. Yeah. Okay, and then press that start button for that tutorial. All right. So. Although before your development tool, I want
0: you to um to to. to it's Steve Smith. Now wait a minute. Yeah. So Steve put this together. So I'm getting. I'm in Getting Started with C# right. and then there's a bunch of topics that are available. Just start with
2: the creating a hello world program.
0: Lesson one. Okay.
2: Right. And then about a half a page down, there's this show me button that has some code. Oh yeah. Go ahead and click that. And this we thing is just awesomely cool. Cause this is wow. C sharp. All right. So yeah, you can type this, you can change that code and go ahead and run that. So right now it just says hello world. You know, you can type it to say hello, Carl or .Net rocks or whatever you can't press run. And it'll show the output on the other side of that window. Okay. That's fun. Now, what's going on there is we take that string, ship it back up into the cloud, use Rosalind to compile it, run the code,
1: and ship the output back to put in the other window. Oh, and it also barfs back errors when you do something dumb. Right. Like not close the quote. Right. So that gives us,
2: you know, we, we really want to expand on this to do a lot more with online tutorials.
1: You don't even have to download anything. You don't have to work with anything. So we're going to be investing there as well. You know, in a way this reminds me of the very early days of .NET before we really had Studio, where you'd use Notepad to write some code and then you'd just run command line compil- compilers for it and, and uh, and you know, again, pop out on the console. But it was the same sort of thing. It's just now it's on the internet. That is so cool.
2: You know, and, and it's less about not having tools, right? I mean, we have Visual Studio, we have VS Code with OmniSharp yep. on some of
1: those. The plugins
2: run in, in many other editors as well. But it's about if you just want to kick the tires and try this. You yes. know Step one isn't download this 1.6 gigabyte ISO and install <laughs> it and then come back tomorrow. Right. Right. So so that's one big part of this is just to be able to you know get people who once again that .NET Core story and some of those you know you haven't used .NET.
0: Why don't you go try it? Here's a low impact way to try it. So what happens if I say while parentheses true, open, close bracket?
2: Go my, ahead and try it. It will uh, eventually stop. Okay. So right now there's a sandbox that keeps some stuff from going
0: and, and killing things out there. Compiling in the cloud, dot, 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 dot. dot. Maximum execution mm-hmm. time reached. There you go. <laughs> right. Didn't let you loop so long. I like it. Cause
2: we're not morons. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Cause we're actually smart. Now, you
0: know,
2: <laughs> th- now there's some stuff, you know, and, and this is when we want to open up the right things and not make the wrong things work, you know? So we're trying to investigate how to do things like build a tutorial that calls a web service. Right. right? You know, yeah. but that's inherently dangerous. So we want to be sure. careful about how we expose things like that. Right. But, um, but I really like the the potential
1: we have to make a great learning environment for people who want to learn more about .NET. Yeah, just a low barrier entry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I also see, uh, like, I, I'm wondering if containers won't take this over, that you won't have a container set up with, with Visual Studio X- Community Edition in it and so forth. So if they do want to try the tools, it is still a low barrier entry. Mm. Something pre-configured, good to go. I mean, we used to do this as VMs, so it just got too big. Yep. Yep. That one I think is a
2: little bit farther out, but I think there's yeah. some there's some work that's going to go on there, you know. And in fact, with our docs, um, where some of the samples are building a container and running them as part of the CI build, we're going to start a container and run the app in a container and make sure the test pass in a container. Right. Right. So, so we're certainly heading in that direction. I mean, there's
1: yeah. there's a lot of good things there. And and even in these 20 lessons, not all of them are set up with the interactive editor. Some of them just have the code. Right. And, you know, it, it's obviously a work in progress, mm-hmm. uh, but it does speak to just the, all these possibilities. But I uh, I do, it would be neat to have the, another option, which is, well, fire me down all the things so that I can run this on my machine and start experimenting right. with it.
2: And there we do get pretty good with, as I mentioned, all of our samples are in GitHub. Yeah. And there's, t- there's times when we miss it, but every article with a sample should have a link to, here's that directory in GitHub, go grab the code and play with it.
1: Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So you should be able to do that.
1: You know, but yeah. And also just automating the whole, here's what you need to install to get an editing environment up. You I know, mean, and there's a few variety, you could do this with VS code. You could do this with the uh, studio community. Like there's a bunch of ways to go about it.
0: Right. I love this. This is fantastic. Ah, uh, yeah. This is really good stuff. Great stuff, Bill. There's a whole lot of people we want to see using, uh, using .NET, learning C Sharp. Mm. Do you need help with this stuff? Is it a, a Microsoft-only endeavor, or do you have volunteers that uh, help out? We want to encourage anybody in the .NET community to help submit things
2: onto the doc site. Um, we have a list of open issues, and they're tagged with jump in for anything that is what we think is important
1: right now. Hmm. Yeah. The sections here that haven't been written, right? Like you, you get in there and if you, if it's a topic area you really care about, you could start working on a draft of it. And
2: in fact, if you look at our table of contents, anything that has a wrench in it.
1: Right. Is a hole
2: we still need written.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: And then if you're passionate about writing something that we don't have a hole for create an issue and tell us what you want to write and we'll help you find a space for it and uh, help walk you through the process and get contributions.
1: I do appreciate that when you click on one of those wrench items, what it says is, Hey, we'd like your input, you know, give us a draft or, you know, work through the GitHub process. Like you don't want to just have them go tearing off either. Yeah. No, we
2: do want to, you know, we would say that if you want to take on one of the issues, you know, one of the things that GitHub does not let us do is we can't assign an issue to somebody who's not a team member. Right. So what we do then is, you know, you write a comment that says, hey, I'm working on this. And one of us on the team will assign it to ourselves so that nobody else grabs it. Right. And
1: then, you know, we'll say, okay, so... effectively commit to being the shepherd then, right?
2: Right, right. And then we'll work through you, you know, open up a pull request. As soon as you've got anything, even an outline, and just tell us it's a work in progress, Say WIP somewhere in the description. Yeah. And then we've got a, a red label for, you know, work in progress, don't merge this. And you won't hmm. get reviews saying, you know, you haven't have done something because we know it's work in progress, but we'll guide you through the process and say, we like your outline. You know, here's something we think needs to be part of this story. You know, ask us questions as to where to put samples, ask us ideas on what makes a good sample if you don't have one. Let's keep working through the process. And we have a number of articles that have already been contributed by community members.
1: Yeah, neat. Well, it's just another way you can make a useful
0: contribution to this community, right? In
2: particular, I think the F-Sharp Guide has a lot of community contributions.
0: Wow. I can't say enough good things about this, and I uh, hope everybody gets to take a look at it, uh, docs.microsoft.com. Bill Wagner, thank you very much once again for uh, showing us the way here. Thank you for having me again. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks.